0: There's been speculation for weeks now whether or not residents of Ukraine's capital of Kiev might hear air raid sirens. On Thursday, February 24th, that prediction finally came to pass. After months of an increased military buildup along the Russian-Ukrainian border, Russian President Vladimir Putin launched what he called a special military operation by land, air and sea. Soon after, explosions were heard around the country, including the capital. Russian troops are outside the city. U.S. President Joe Biden announced even more sanctions meant to isolate Russia from the global economy. And people are waiting to see what's next. Today, we're bringing you One Woman's View from Kiev. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. Catherine Quinn Judge is an American conflict analyst in Ukraine. Normally, she researches...
1: The humanitarian, socioeconomic impact of the conflict in Donbas and tries to identify paths towards de-escalation
0: and peace. But when we called her on Thursday... After Russian President Vladimir Putin declared his invasion into Ukraine, we ended up also talking about Kiev, where she's lived on and off since 2017. The city already looked different just hours after Putin's announcement. So
1: there is a bunch of traffic on the intersection right outside my window. Honestly, there's always a lot of traffic where I live, but... At this point, all the traffic is on the road out of town, whereas there's pretty light traffic on the road leading into town, and it's usually the opposite.
0: So we've just started our interview. It is 7.27 a.m. in Kiev, and you're looking over your shoulder because you're hearing loud bangs. And of course, I want to make sure that you are safe. That is first and foremost a priority. How are you feeling right now?
1: Um yeah, I'm pretty anxious. For my job, I travel through areas of active conflict on a pretty regular basis. I try to be in regular communication with people who live in the conflict zone in Donbass, but I, I don't have experience being in a city that's being subject to airstrikes, for example, and I don't have military experience or emergency response experience. So I'm a little, I'm a little worried. I'm feeling a bit bad that I didn't take care to get more sort of training in the months leading up to this, since there was a lot of warning. I had my reasons. I was pretty busy. My job obviously got a lot busier um, with the threat of war.
0: And also, we've done a few shows on this build-up, this Russian troop buildup on the border with eastern Ukraine. And so many of the people we've talked to have said they didn't really think this was going to happen. No. And so there wasn't really a need to be as scared as people outside of Ukraine have reported. Has that what you've been feeling?
1: It's definitely what I was feeling for the first few months of this buildup, November-December. There was part of me that was annoyed with this Western media coverage showing people signing up for volunteer battalions in major cities, coverage that seemed to create the impression that the entire society was mobilizing. I don't think anything could be further from the truth. Sure, there is that sort of gung-ho segment of the population for sure but maybe it's the circles I live in, the type of apartment building I live in, where people are on the fine line between stoicism and denial. So... Yeah, that, that's a vibe that I've been taking in, at least at least at home.
0: I, and you have not been alone in that? No. So tell me what's been happening over the last few hours. Have you been watching the news or were you woken up out of your bed? My cats
1: woke me up around 5.30, which is nothing unusual. I guess I, I felt that there were some rumblings that were different from the standard noise that I get outside of my window, given that I'm on a very busy intersection. So then I looked at my phone I saw a message from my dad, who's in France, saying, write to me as soon as you can. And then a bunch of telegram messages about attacks on the Kharkov and Odessa and Kherson, another southern Ukrainian region. And then notices that there were strikes in Kiev as well.
0: So just a few hours before we began talking, the foreign minister of Ukraine tweeted, Putin has just launched a full-scale invasion of Ukraine. Peaceful Ukrainian cities are under strikes. This is a war of aggression. Ukraine will defend itself and will win. The world can and must stop Putin. The time to act is now. And I think that's what alerted a lot of the people outside of Ukraine to what was happening. But talk to me about what it's like to hear the sound of potential airstrikes or potential shelling.
1: So far, thankfully, it's been pretty sporadic. There isn't a sense of the world falling in on us yet. I mean, hopefully there won't be. It's sort of been sort of like hearing distant thunder. I mean, at one point, the sky seemed to light up, but it was clear that whatever it it was, some distance away. I got up, I talked to my parents, who actually themselves have pretty extensive experience in war zones. And they just told me, you still have a chance, go to the grocery store and just get some basics. So I did that. I got not a whole ton of food, but I got probably 10 times more than I would usually get at the grocery store. And so in the grocery store, people were just sort of acting like they always do, as they would at the grocery store at five in the morning, exhausted and impatient and wanting to get out. And then I went to the ATM, and there were some teenagers lining up to take up money. And a few times, the ground sort of rumbled. We heard booms. And there'd be a sharp intake of breath, and we'd look at each other and then smile and keep going.
0: Were you hearing from your neighbors and other friends and people in Kiev about what they're doing? Just now,
1: when I went down to the grocery store, um, I saw our concierge, or the, our door attendant, and then another neighbor who's like a fixture in our building, like a busybody type. I said to them, do, you know? is there any information about, about evacuation procedures? Do you have a plan? And they just looked at me like I was stupid, honestly, and just said like, check the internet for the nearest bomb shelter. And then one of the neighbors just said, what am I gonna do? I have eight cats. You wouldn't believe how many people here are saying that they can't go anywhere because of their cats. It's a really common reason for staying hunkered down as opposed to coming up with an escape plan.
0: As Russia was preparing to invade, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky released a video to people in Ukraine, encouraging them to do just that. Hunker down, stay at home, and not panic.
1: We are working. The army is working. The whole security and defense sector is working. I will be in constant contact with you. So will the National Security and Defense Council of Ukraine and the Cabinet of Ministers of Ukraine, too. I will talk to you soon. Don't panic. We are strong. We are ready for everything. We will win over anyone. Because we are Ukraine. Glory
0: to Ukraine. What does that statement make you feel as someone who is living in Kyiv?
1: Coming from Zelensky at this point, it feels like too little too late. And this is me speaking as, as, you know, both an analyst and just a regular resident, someone who didn't want to see this happen.
0: Catherine told me about a comment she saw online from a journalist in Ukraine. It suggested that Putin would break himself by invading Ukraine. Maybe it would come at a huge cost to Ukrainians, but Putin wouldn't survive either.
1: I don't get the sense that people necessarily believe that the country is going to rise up and emerge victorious. But I do think that people recognize that this sort of madness that's led to this situation isn't sustainable and that its days have to be numbered, basically.
0: Around the time that Catherine was speaking to me from Kiev, my colleague Dorsa Jabari was headed into work in Moscow and the view from there looked quite different. So this
2: morning, as I was called into the office, when we heard of the announcement from Vladimir Putin, I made my way through the hotel where I'm staying, and I asked the security guards, they were the first people I asked at about 7 a.m. local time, I said, did you hear the news that the Russians have sent in troops to Ukraine? And they thought I was kidding. They didn't actually believe me. So then when I got into the taxi on my way to the bureau, I also asked my taxi driver, and he thought I was joking with him. He thought I was pulling his leg. That is the f- initial reason. Reaction, I could say, from ordinary Russians here in Moscow after they heard the news. I think there's still very much a sense of shock. Also now, having seen the pictures uh, and the events unfold over the past few hours and these attacks continue from multiple areas into Ukraine, it's clear that there is this is a much larger um, attack than initially thought and what President Putin had said, that they would only send troops into Donbass.
0: I decided to
1: conduct a special military operation. It aims to protect people who have been bullied and subjected to genocide by the Kiev regime for eight years. For that, we will strive for the demilitarization and denazification of Ukraine, and will bring justice to those who committed multiple bloody crimes against civilians, including Russian citizens.
2: I think most people here are hoping that it will end quickly and there will be some kind of a swift resolution. Because the the idea of a prolonged military engagement in Europe with Russian forces means there would be a lot of body bags coming back to this country. And that's something nobody wants to see here.
0: In his announcement, Putin also left a warning. Anyone who tried to hinder Russia, he said, would face consequences that you have never faced in your history. I asked Catherine how she thought the rest of the world should interpret that.
1: A few months ago, I might have said, let's not rush to any rash interpretations. He's trying to scare people. He wants engagement. But let's not exaggerate and act like he's threatening a nuclear strike or something. After seeing his video address that aired on Monday, which basically reminded me of a video manifesto of a school shooter, something like that, I feel that, yeah, it could mean anything, including a threat of nuclear strikes. This isn't someone who values his safety, his country's safety, and who sees a bright future for the world. I think this is someone who's out for revenge in a very raw, single-minded kind of way.
0: The whole world is speculating on this, but what do you see as his motivation? Revenge. Revenge. I
1: think that some of the complaints that he puts forth about the West having ignored Russia's security concerns, the West basically having taken every opportunity to belittle, dismiss, and squeeze Russia, I think that some of these complaints are very sincere. I do think that he's furious at NATO encroachment. I think a lot of ordinary Russians do resent the expansion of NATO. I think that there's something to be said for the argument that expanding an enormously powerful security alliance up to the border of another regional power wouldn't be considered normal anywhere else. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg said the alliance supports Ukraine's sovereignty and, quote, right to choose its own path. That said, Putin's motivation goes far beyond writing an injustice. Some of the things that he brings forth would have been legitimate, but the window for addressing these concerns is closed because really his behaviour is no longer about that.
0: Thursday morning, NATO Secretary-General Jens Stoltenberg responded to Russia's attack. This is a grave moment for the security of uh, Europe. Despite its litany of lies, denials and disinformation, the Kremlin's intentions are clear for the world to see. Russia's leaders bear full responsibility for their reckless actions and the lives lost. When you introduced yourself to us, you told us that you were there to try to prevent conflict. Do you have some advice now on how this situation should be de-escalated? Is there any going back from here? I,
1: I really don't know. It's, and that's the saddest thing for me. What I would have recommended six months ago would have been that Kiev and its Western partners take a more realistic look at what it is that the Ukrainian public actually wants. Is the Ukrainian public really, you know, as some prominent voices from the North American diaspora would have us believe, really absolutely unwilling to compromise on its pro-Western trajectory? Or would the public prefer to explore ways to ensure
0: a peaceful coexistence with Russia long into the future?
1: And so, I'm sorry to
0: interrupt you, but what is that sound in the background?
1: Yeah, it's just, Sirens of some sort. It's either, I mean, there's actually been a lot of fire trucks moving along the road, but I think this is something else.
0: So, air raid sirens? Are these the same sirens you were hearing earlier this morning?
1: Yeah. I, um, yeah. I'm just trying to see if I can see any notification of what this is exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like air raid sirens for sure.
0: And is this your first time hearing them? This day in Ukraine for you? Is that your first time hearing air raid sirens? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Did you immediately know what they were when they started going off?
1: I mean, yeah, I had a pretty good idea. I mean, I'd seen video footage of, you know, the air raid sirens going off in Donetsk, for example, just last week. So the sound was sort of in my head.
0: Catherine paused our interview to glance out the window. And when she was sure she was safe... She came back to finish up her thought on NATO's role in the conflict. So the idea that
1: there's this huge groundswell of sort of pro-Western, pro-NATO sentiment in Ukraine, I think that it has discouraged policy actors from seeking more pragmatic security arrangements for Ukraine that don't rest on some sort of nebulous and possibly disingenuous promise of NATO memberships at some point in the future and that allow Kiev to really reckon with the realities of its location, which is, unfortunately, next to a country run by Putin.
0: In a speech on Thursday afternoon, President Biden announced a new set of sanctions and said that Putin and Russia must bear the consequences of the war.
2: I just spoke with the G7 leaders this morning, and we're in full and total agreement. We will limit Russia's ability to do business in dollars, euros, pounds, and yen to be part of the global economy. We'll limit their ability to do that.
0: When I asked Catherine what kind of escalation she expected to see next, she was especially worried about Donbass, the area where Putin announced he would conduct military operations. I, mean, I
1: expect that there will be nasty escalation in those areas and that these civilians in Donbass who've lived with war for so many years are now going to suddenly find their situation getting a lot worse or turning into something much more reminiscent of 2014 and 2015. And as far as the rest of Ukraine, I would expect to see continued airstrikes on major military targets in in major cities, including Kiev.
0: Do you have a place that you can go if there are air raids, or if you feel unsafe? Yeah, I mean, there's a bomb shelter around the
1: corner. I would, again, I would really rather not go there until I really had to, because obviously I'd lose any connection with the outside world if I went there. I'll also say that I went to check out this bomb shelter a few weeks ago, and I really, I just, I couldn't see how to get in. It wasn't marked at all. It just, there's just this sense of just yeah, the, there has been no planning really for all of
0: this. Yeah, and and these are Soviet era bomb shelters. Yeah, from the Cold War.
1: Yeah, 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 no, and the bomb shelters themselves. I mean, I think once once we can get into them, they'll be very good bomb shelters. So mm-hmm.
0: you know,
1: great if no one knows how to get in, that's a problem. I mean, there's also uh, there's always the metro. Of course, we have this. Lovely Soviet metro system here in Soviet metros were built in part to serve as bomb shelters. Yeah, I can always go there. But that's about a 15 minute walk and sort of through exposed territory. So it's hard to see the circumstances under which I would feel so unsafe that I had to go to a bomb shelter yet be willing to walk 15 minutes across an exposed area.
0: That was on Thursday morning. Later in the day, Catherine told our team that she did go to the bomb shelter with her cats. The UN reports that 100,000 people in Ukraine have fled their homes. Events are moving too fast for us to give you a specific death toll. At the time of this recording, Ukrainian officials said dozens of people have been killed in the invasion's first hours. While Catherine might live in Kiev now, she grew up mostly in Moscow. She says that despite the fact that Putin has tried to neutralize Ukrainian independence movements throughout history, she's had this idea instilled in her, that there was nothing but love between Ukrainians and Russians. And that's a particular point of pain for her right now.
1: I had hoped, I guess, that the organic family ties, economic ties, historical ties between the countries would serve as a barrier against anything like this happening. And yeah, so I mean, the fact that it hasn't sort of seems like the end of the world.
0: And that's The Take. For analysis and all of the breaking developments on this story, head to aljazeera.com, where we'll be keeping you up to date on the latest. This episode was produced by Amy Walters and Nageen Oliayi, with Alexandra Locke, Ruby Zaman, Priyanka Tilbe, Nay Alvarez, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan is our sound designer, Aya and is our engagement producer, and Stacy Samuel is our executive producer. We'll be back.